Well, good morning. It's such an honor and a privilege to be here this morning and share with you everything that's going on in our lives and in the lives of the children of Honduras. Uh, our grandchildren were here for a little bit and they were hurried on out to the nursery. Sometimes people ask me, uh, how do you leave them? We cherish the moments that we are here in the States with them. And God fills that void for us when we're there with so many children. Oh, we miss them, but we stay so busy we don't dwell on it. And I praise God for that, for the time that we can come home and stay with them and cherish them and love on them all we possibly can. So we praise God for our grandchildren. and We praise God for this church and uh, all that you do to support us and all your prayers and uh, for being here. We've traveled across the country and from uh, North Carolina and South, South Carolina all the way out to Oklahoma where we had five or six speaking engagements in Oklahoma and then back here and several here in Kentucky. We've been on the road so much. Uh, but it really doesn't seem like we're home until we get to come here and that we can share with you the ones that we began this journey with. I can remember when it was so hard to try to find somewhere to speak and Brother Tim would call and say, surely there's a pastor on vacation somewhere and you can get in and you can fill the pulpit. And We just begged people for the opportunity to share with them how God had called us into the mission field. And this year we had to turn people down. Didn't like having to do that because I want so much to share what God is doing in our lives and in the lives of the children at the home. Today I really just want to share a story with you. One that has just burned in my mind and something that happened really just a few weeks before we left the home. We have a uh, little boy and a little girl named Roberto and Tanya that have been at the home for about nine years. They've never had a visit from the family and they've never seen their mother since the day uh, they were taken away from them due to severe poverty. Tanya has spent nine years building up a hard shell of wonder, wondering why her mother didn't love her. How her mother could let her go and not at least come and see her. Roberto and Tanya lived with us. And I can tell you, Roberto, I call him Tito, uh, he uh, was a child that I got to know very easily. He became my little boy real fast. I had the same troubles with him some of you other parents have. You could say, Roberto, it's time for your shower, and he would go into a great and mighty fit, thrashing and crying and, and carrying on, and you would think that the water was going to kill him when he got in the shower. But he grew out of that with time and, became to un and came to understand when I said it was shower time, it was shower time. But Tanya was different. She was very hard to get to know. I would speak to Tanya. And a lot of times she would just turn her head the other way. Uh, good morning, Tanya. Her head would go the other way. She, I told Trisha, I said, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I'm just, Tanya and I are just not, we're not clicking. So Trisha talked to her one morning and she said, I'm not a morning person. I just, I'm just not a morning person. I, I don't have anything against Kelly. I'm just not a morning person. So time goes on and she lived with us. And I, there was very few words spoken between us. Occasionally it was hello and how was your day? Fine. So we went on and with time uh, uh, they moved out of our home and we took older kids into the home with us. 
but we have a social worker and a uh, psychologist on board and one thing that they did this year was they found the parents they found their parents uh, their mother and their grandmother and it was uh, a situation where they were quite a few hours away and they lived in severe poverty and it was going to be uh, hard to get them together but uh, so we, we really delayed we didn't, we didn't want to let them know we didn't know how we were going to tell them we wanted to really handle it with kid gloves but one day as Abner, our pastor was preaching Sunday morning church service he um, talked about kids uh, and how some of the parents some of the parents had been found of other children that we'd had there and as he said this, he said, The day may very come that your parents will be found. And he touched Tito on the shoulder as he was walking by. And immediately, Tito knew. He knew his mother and his grandmother had been found. I'll never forget, he came to me. Uh, I was headed across the casita area. We have ten casitas, and in the middle is a big playground. And I was headed across to one of the other casitas to meet with Atia about a problem that she was having. And... Roberto, he'd been out washing his clothes. Our little ones, they still wash their clothes on a concrete scrub board because when it comes time for them to leave, we want them to know how to survive in Honduras. Uh, so he's coming around with his wet clothes and he comes toward me and he's smiling and he comes up there and he says, you found my mother, didn't you? Oh, no. I'm going to have to explain this to him right now. And I got down on my knees there in that playground this little boy looking me in the face. And I began to explain to him how, yes, we found your mother and we found your grandmother, Tito. And he says, you think I'll get to go live with them? How do you explain the poverty that he has grown, that he doesn't know, or I didn't think he knew? He began to, I began to tell him, I said, well, Tito, they're very poor. What were the first words out of his mouth as he looked back at me? Not how big is the house? Do they have a car? Will I have my own bedroom? No. He looked back at me with tears in his eyes. And he said, do they have food? And I said, yes, Tito, but they're barely surviving. And I said, but I want you to remember. You remember when you lived with me and how you told me that your grandmother prayed for you? He used to come to the dinner table and he would talk about his grandmother and how she prayed for him. And Tanya would get so angry about it. She would say, that's not true. You don't remember that. You can't remember that. You don't know them. I'm older than you are and I don't remember them. No, she never prayed for us. But he'd say, yes, she did. She prayed for me. And he would go to his room crying. And I would have to go back and console the little fella. But I told him, I said, you remember when you told me that? The first thing your grandmother told Abner and the psychologist was how she prayed for you all the time, Tito. How she loved you and wondered how you were doing and that she prayed that God was taking care of you. So I said, you do know and you do remember. He was so happy as he walked off. And I told him, I said, somehow we're going to make this happen. They live far away. But I'm going to get you together. And I'm going to let you see and meet your mother and your grandmother. So it came down to two weeks before we were leaving. First of October. And I thought, Abner, I promised these kids that we would get them together with their mother. We've got to make this happen. We've got to get them together. So I said, 
please call one of your pastor friends up in that part of the country and let's see if we can find someone with a car that will bring them part of the way and we'll meet halfway. Let's see if we can make that happen. So Abner did. He came to me the next day. He says, we've got it worked out. Saturday morning, they're going to meet their mother and their grandmother. We already knew they had a little brother and a little sister that we hadn't told them about. I didn't know how they were going to take that. They weren't living with them. The little brother and the little sister were. How would they respond to that? Tanya, all her anger that she lived under, that hard shell, how would she respond? I'll never forget passing her. She, one thing she did like to do, she liked to get out on a swing and swing. This little girl's 15 years old now. I passed her and I said, Tanya, Saturday you're going to meet your mother and your grandmother. She looked the other way. She didn't respond to me. I went in and I told the psychologist, I said, listen, I don't want to drive four or five hours for these kids to meet their mother and her not want to speak to her. We really need, you need to talk with her and counsel with her and let's see what's going to happen. She came back to me and she says, yes, she wants to meet her. She doesn't know what she's going to say to her, but she wants to meet her. So we set out on our journey. Early on Saturday morning, we arrived at uh, a lake there, Freshwater Lake, Yahoa, uh, a national park and lake area for Honduras. And I told them as we arrived, we got there earlier, and I told them early, and I told them, I said, now don't get out of the car here on the side of the road. This is too dangerous of area. I said, let's wait. They'll come by. Abner's going to talk to them, and we're going to go up here to a park where you can meet up by the lake. So the car pulled up, a pickup truck. In the back stood two women and a little girl. These women had stood in the back of a pickup truck for almost five hours four and a half to five hours to come and see their daughter and their granddaughter that's Roberto and Tanya and this is the little sister the little brother didn't come I'll never forget looking in the rearview mirror as that truck went by and they led the way up to the park and seeing Tanya and Roberto look out the window and Abner saying there's your mother there's your grandmother and there's your little sister they look like, wow, Do I, I don't remember them, but their eyes said so much. We got up to the park, and we got them out, and they began, I, I reached in the back seat, and I told them, I said, now, you know, Trisha is going to want photos. And Tanya said, no, no, don't take any photos, please. I said, okay, baby, this is your day. This is your time. I put the camera back down and I, I got back out or I got out of the truck and I walked straight over to a little park bench and sat down. And Abner introduced them to their mother and their grandmother and their little sister and they began to talk. And they they wandered off and found a bench and they were all sitting and talking and I stayed out of the way. They visited for probably an hour and a half to two hours and we found out that this these ladies had not had breakfast and they were getting hungry, so uh I paid the guys that had brought them. It was, uh, they wanted $75. And I got my wallet, and I began to get all the money out I had, all the cash I had, Limpira, their, their national money. And I had $74. And I thought, okay. I'm gonna, I, I told them, I said, I'm sorry, guys. This is all I have, $74. And they said, that's all right. That's fine. So I, I paid them, and 
off we went. I told Abner, I said, well, let's take them up. Let's feed them. We'll find somebody somewhere that'll take a credit card, and I'll buy their lunch. And we carried them up to overlook at a restaurant overlooking the lake, and uh, that's out in front of the restaurant. And I went off by myself and sat down, and uh, they had a table further away. And soon, here came Tito, put his arm around me, and we're looking out off the deck out across the lake and all the boats and we're talking and he's just hanging there on my side and I, I kept telling him I said you really need to go talk to your grandmother and uh, in a minute here came the grandmother and the mother and they sat just a table real close from us and I was trying to give them their space but so I kept telling uh, Roberto Tito I said go talk to them there's got to be a question you have nine years I said, go ask him where your name came from. Roberto Williams. So he walks over and he gets over there next to his grandmother and he taps her on the shoulder. And she says, yes. And he says, he wants to know how, where my name came from. <laughs> Kids, they're the same everywhere, aren't they? And uh, I laughed and she said, Roberto William. Well, let's see. You don't have a grandparent named Roberto William. Your grandfather's uncles, no. She looked over at his mother, and she asked him, said, where did you get the name Roberto Williams? And she says, oh, how I've always loved that name. I told myself if I ever had a little boy, I was going to name him Roberto Williams. He smiled big. He was so thrilled to know that. And I said, now ask more questions, ask more questions. And they begin to find out about their grandparents and their aunts and their uncles. And in a minute, here came Tanya. She comes over. The little girl that I told you, we've had very little conversation in almost five years of being there. So here she comes. She sits up on the deck railing. Now this deck's probably 40 or 50 feet in the air, so immediately my heart starts pounding. I don't like heights anyway. So, and she laughs about that. She thinks that's so funny because it scared me. And then she begins to talk to me and carry on a conversation. This little girl that was so hard and so bitter for so long. She begins to tell me how she would love to study idiomas, languages, the art of speaking different languages. And how that she wanted to learn to speak French. English is too hard. She wants to learn to speak French. So I begin to tell her, I said, okay. We'll, we can get with Miss Carol from the library and we'll get her to get some computer programs or we'll get you some books and you can study other languages. And she said, Kelly, I, I would like to talk with uh, Dr. Tina. Dr. Tina Woods was a missionary there with us for, for five or six years and she did all the dental work out there at the home and would come out with teens and Tanya really grew close to her. And I said, well, sure, honey. We'll, we can get her on the phone. We've got her number. We'll send her an email and tell her a time and you can talk to her. So this goes on, and, and I tell her, I said, now, please, go talk to your mother. So they finish eating, and they visit a while longer, and they get ready to leave. And I notice Tanya is over by herself talking to her mother. And Tito, he hugs his grandmother and his mother goodbye, and he comes, and he stands beside me. He puts his arm around me, and I've got my arm on his shoulder. He's my little buddy, you know, we're standing there and we're waiting and we're watching and uh, Tanya soon finishes the conversation with her mother and she's standing over in the other, other part of the parking lot. She's just sort of standing there. 
and uh, uh, her mother and her grandmother start climbing in the back of the truck with their little sister and she's just like she makes the decision she comes across the parking lot she puts her arm around my waist and puts her head on my shoulder it was a huge moment that I got to be part of right then and there I saw this little girl that hard shell broke away and she made a decision that she was going to love again she came across there and I thought oh no I cannot start crying in front of all these people in front of these kids and all these people passing by on this highway I've got to hold it together so we stood there and we watched them drive off and we went over and we got in the car she climbed in the back seat now this little girl that has been quiet for so long looks up at the front of the seat and she says, Now I want to tell you what I told my mama today. I go, whoa. And I said, okay, what'd you tell her? She began to tell me how. I told my mama, I thank God that I am where I am. That I have food, clothing, and a place to sleep that I have an opportunity for a great, great um, education. But most of all, I've had the opportunity to learn about Jesus Christ and what he did for me and how he gave me salvation. I was blown away. I couldn't say anything. Abner, big old pastor of ours, he couldn't say anything. He takes the phone and he just dials the, dials the number and he hands it back to her and she begins to tell Trisha the story. But something even more amazing, this little girl that lived in a children's home wondering why she wasn't loved looked right at her mother and said, I want the same thing for my little brother and my little sister. They deserve the same opportunity. So they had had a meeting in the parking lot and they had decided, her mother had decided, if the children's home will take your little brother and little sister I'll let them come be with you. So Tanya says, can they come? Can, we, can, can they come live with us? And I said, we'll have, you know there's a process. We'll have to start that process and we'll do all we can. Tanya made that decision today, that day to love again. She made that decision that day to open her heart. She saw in a few minutes what she had wondered for so many years why she wasn't being loved or how her mother could give her up and immediately she learned how God had placed her in a place and how her mother loved her but she loved her so much she was willing to give her uh, give her to a place where she could be where she would be better off so we got to see that and those are the things that we get to see the part of the things that we get to uh, uh, be part of all because we serve God in Honduras. This church makes that happen. You're part of that. The financial support, your prayers, being with us. We love you so much and we're so thankful for that. Tanya made a decision that day to love again. And that's all it takes. That first decision, that first step for you to step out and do whatever God has called you to do. That's what we long for. Trisha and I talk about at night, some nights that we are just so overwhelmed. We sit and we cry in our room. 
And we wonder how we get to see so much, so many blessings, lives transformed, and how we long for people to see the same, to see those blessings, to be part of it, to see those miracles firsthand. That's what we long for you. I believe that this church is still has many more steps to make, many more explosions to make, to spread all over, from churches being planted all across this country or in foreign lands. And all it's going to take is for you to make the decision that you're going to do it, to step out and go. We praise God for you. I want Tricia to come, share a story with you, and introduce her video that she's made. I didn't say this in the first service, but this year we celebrated our 30th anniversary. Kelly said, Kelly said earlier that uh, it, is, it is hard for us to have our hearts in two places. We have our hearts here with our family. And we also have our hearts in Honduras with our other family. The thing that makes it easy for us to go is to know that our grandchildren have moms and dads and grandparents and great-grandparents. I love them very much in a church family. The children where we work and minister and live, they don't have that. And I get to tell you a quick story about one of the many blessings that we got to see this year. We've been praying for babies. In the history of, in the first time in the history of the home, we accepted a newborn baby. One day of age, um, a lady was in the valley. She had given birth just 24 hours earlier. She got on a public bus and set out on a two-hour journey to come find the Baptist Children's Home where we, where we are located. And when she got off the bus, it was a breezy, cool March day. And uh, she asked the people, where do I find the Baptist Children's Home? And she, the people said, well, you know, don't try to find it by yourself. Just sit here and wait. And at the end of the day, their staff will be out in a red van, and you can talk to them. So we received a call on March 15th at 5 p.m. from our nurse who had just ended her work day. She said, Trisha, I'm here with a lady who has a newborn baby, and she wants to give the baby away. And we can't just take a baby in off the street. There's a, a process, and we knew we could get in a lot of trouble if we didn't do this correctly so we talked to her and you'll see in the video a, in just a few minutes a clip of her sitting on the side of um, the street holding this newborn baby and just a little receiving blanket and uh, we talked to her we took her with us to the police station we spoke with them they took her statement they tried to talk her out of it then we took her and the police accompanied us two armed officers went with us to downtown Tegucigalpa in the middle of the night and we went to night court we saw a lot of scary things down there but we never felt scared <laughs> never felt scared for one minute and um, that was just a huge blessing for us and we were at home with um, this newborn baby at 2 a.m. so from 5 p.m. on March 15th to 2 a.m. on March 16th, we were home with a newborn baby. We had some formula <laughs> that we had just bought at the 24-hour farm, uh, pharmacy a few
few diapers that someone had sent, and we had, on the way, 15 baby beds that a uh, church had sent to us as a donation. We didn't have any babies to put in them, but we told them we would take the babies because we had been praying for babies. Now we have also, in, for the first time in the history of the home, a whole baby casita. We have nine babies under the age of three in there, with our youngest being this baby, which is eight months old. And we have probably on our way another seven or eight-month-old baby. We've just received a 14-month-old that just weighed 10 pounds. 14-month-old baby that was so severely malnourished that he weighed only 10 pounds. And we just uh, thank you all so much for everything that you do. You are such a part of this ministry. You might not be there, but we know that you're praying for us and you're thinking about us. You're sending us notes. You're liking our pictures on Facebook. Um, you're so much a part of this ministry, and we hope to see more of you down there. We would love for you to come and visit us and see firsthand what we get to see every day. Thank you so much.
I think you can tell that the children who end up at Good Shepherd Children's Home are the lucky ones. Uh, they are taken from the street. They are loved. Uh, they have an amazing school. They have an amazing computer lab and wood shop and good meals and lots and lots of love. They are the lucky ones. But even they still uh, often uh, lay in their bunks at night and, uh, and imagine that maybe mom or dad will come find them. Come, come back and find them and, and take them home. The scripture says that whether you realize it or not, all of us are orphans. All of us are, are, are fatherless, motherless. Uh, in the world, we are abandoned, spiritually speaking anyway. And, and sometimes it takes us a while to understand our, our need, our, our, our homesickness for a father that we've never even known. But this is what the Bible says. You could not get to him on your own. You couldn't find him. The separation of our sin was eternal. And from our perspective, uh, a gap that was completely unbridgeable. But, but God came to find you. He was not willing to live off in heaven apart from you. He, he came to where we are. He became flesh, the Christmas story says, and he, and he dwelt among us so that everyone who would receive him could be called the children of God. He, he, he adopts us. He loves us. And that sense of, of, of discontentment, that sense of being lost or, or, or lonesome or bored, it's what the Bible describes as, as that separation from God, that, that Father who loves you, who can call you by your right name and forever be seeking after you. I encourage you today to come to him. Let him receive you into the family you were born. But beyond that, it's not just about uh, having one time a, a decision made or one time calling yourself a Christian. It, it's an entire life he has for you. And if you will receive him and, and give yourself to him, he has a life for you that you've probably yet to even imagine. You, you know this, right? I know we all go to school and, and we go to work and we feel like our lives are busy and full and indeed they are. But just what if God has something so much more for you if you would just obey him? I don't know what he's put in your heart. I don't know what path he's laid out for your feet, but you need to find that path and you need to walk that because I promise you, no matter what your life is now, when you finally step out and do exactly what he's asking you to do, your life will be glorious. He has for you a very different kind of life, but you will have to follow him to know it. I encourage you to follow him. If Rod and the musicians will come, let's have a time of response and worship. Altars open if you wish to come and pray. If you have a physical need for healing, the deacons will meet you on the baptistry side and anoint you and pray for you, just like the Bible says. Uh, I don't know what God's saying to you, but I think you know. And so I'm just encouraging you to listen to that voice, that, uh, that, uh, that sense of, of being uncomfortable right now, that heaviness. Uh, it's the Lord knocking on the door of your heart. Will you open that door and let him come in and find out what he has for you? Let's stand together. Let's sing together, everybody, please, right?